0: From Northport, Michigan, this is Talking Tax. I'm Adam Allington. The version of the infrastructure bill the Senate approved last week would restore a long-dormant tax to fund cleanup of toxic Superfund sites. The provision would revive an excise tax that expired in 1995 and put manufacturers of certain chemicals, minerals, and metallic elements on the hook to fund a greater share of Superfund cleanups. Bloomberg tax reporter David Hood covers corporate tax issues. He sat down with Steve Jawitz, a principal at the environmental law firm Beverage and Diamond, to find out why chemical makers feel they are being unfairly targeted by this new tax. So, Steve... This Senate infrastructure bill that's now in the
1: hands of the House, it includes provision that would revive Superfund fees for chemicals, sort of restoring excise taxes for chemical companies that expired in the mid-90s. Just really quick, what does that mean? What's in this provision and what would happen if the House takes it up as written?
2: Well, right now the Superfund program, the federal program for the cleanup of hazardous substances sites, the vast majority of the funding for Superfund cleanups, particularly at abandoned sites, comes from uh, general revenues. So the idea here is they're picking up one of the previously existing taxes, the taxes on a particular list of chemical substances, chemical products, and they're increasing the excise tax amount, the amount per pound effectively, uh, that applies to both uh, those chemicals produced in the United States and it also applies to certain imports of chemicals. Uh, uh, the imported chemicals, the number of chemicals that the tax will apply to, would be expanded by this bill as well because uh, the amount of the product to be made up by these chemical substances under the original tax, it was 50% at the earlier time. Uh, But in this new tax, the amount for the tax to apply drops to only 20%. So with a lower threshold, many more imported chemical products would be subject to the tax. So the tax is designed to raise money for the Superfund program um, it's really just a revenue raising device.
1: Now, when you say abandoned sites, can you go into a little bit more detail about what that means and what does it mean for companies producing these chemicals and for importers?
2: Under that scheme, parties who are either own a site now or operate a site now where hazardous substances have been released, or historically owned or operated such a site or sent uh, hazardous substances to a site for disposal or treatment, or entities that transported substances to that site if they selected the site, all of those are potentially liable under the Superfund program. In addition, the Superfund liability scheme was retroactive and it's called what's called strict liability which means negligence is irrelevant. Nobody has to be at fault. There doesn't have to be any violations of law. Simply if a company sent that kind of substance to a site where that substance is found today and there was a release at that site, the company's liable. And the other thing that's quite striking about the Superfund scheme as it's been interpreted is that liability is joint and several which means even one entity at a site where dozens or hundreds of of entities may have sent waste, one entity can be held liable for all of the costs and all of the cleanup. So it's, it's quite an extreme liability scheme, but as a result of that scheme, actually most of the cleanups being done in the U.S are being done by the entities that sent material to that site or were in some way involved with that site. So the Superfund money is being used both to pay the overhead costs of the Superfund program that aren't recovered from individual potentially responsible parties, and they're paying the costs of cleanup at abandoned sites. And by abandoned sites, that means EPA has not been able to find Uh, a party who has that liability connection that I mentioned before who's still around or who is financially viable. Uh, There are sites like uh, abandoned mining sites, for example, in the West, which is a potentially large problem, but there are no companies around today who are uh, available, if you will, to help pay for cleanup of those sites.
1: This tax has sort of resurrected the polluters pay debate, where, like you said, companies intentionally or by accident uh, pollute land and waterways. How is this tax, from your perspective, the wrong way or the right way to go about raising revenue to clean up these sites, abandoned or otherwise?
2: Well, generally, both Democrat and Republican administrations have in the past embraced Uh, The concept of polluter pays, but it means different things to different people. And most literally, polluter pays can be applied to this liability scheme I was talking about, where the entities that send substances to a site from which a release has occurred, those are the entities who are held responsible for cleaning up that site. So there's a direct connection between the cleanup and the entities that sent Substances to that site now that cleanup that that connection can be somewhat indirect because uh the releases can be today, but the substances may have been sent to the site decades ago, and some of my clients are involved at sites where release where they were involved with the site literally a hundred years ago, and ePA is coming them today seeking. Uh, participation in a cleanup or costs for a cleanup. But that's the literal, most literal meaning of polluter pays, is that the parties connected to a site help pay for a cleanup. Calling the tax a polluter pays tax is using the polluter term very broadly because uh, as you and I know, everybody is a polluter in some sense. We buy products, we throw away things once we're done with them. But the chemical industry here are being called, sort of labeled broadly, polluters, and particularly this individual list of substances that is being subjected to this excise tax. This is an excise tax designed to raise revenue. There's really nothing about the tax that relates to the purposes of the Superfund program. Imposing the tax doesn't lead people to use less of the chemical, or shift away to other substitutes. It's just to raise money in order to be spent at sites where it needs to be spent. And usually the bulk of the money is spent at sites where the companies who are paying the tax have no connection whatsoever. The money is being spent, in many cases, at abandoned sites or at sites Uh, involving municipal landfills where there aren't a lot of uh, current industries, things like that. So there's really a disconnect. And it's given that the purpose of Superfund cleanup is really to try to address a cleanup to make it safer for everyone and perhaps put the site back into reuse, it is not clear why money should be raised just from a small segment of industry to pay for that.
1: I think you did a good job of explaining why this may or may not be fair for, like you said, a narrow set of companies. Is there a better way to raise revenue to pay for these sites that isn't singling out companies that, like you said, may or may not even be responsible for some of the pollution? Is there a better way? And what is the industry, or from your perspective, recommending instead?
2: Well, the Superfund program has been working using general revenues, appropriations from general revenues, for a number of years now. The real issue has been the willingness of Congress to actually appropriate funds to get the work done, to get the work done that needs to be done. Perhaps to some extent, the willingness of various administrations to ask Congress for funds. But uh, even in the years when the Superfund was flush, as a result of all these various taxes, Congress never appropriated the maximum authorized amount for the Superfund program. Um, So money was available in the fund, but it wasn't appropriated. So to meet the objective of getting these sites cleaned up, it's really up to Congress to appropriate the funds. And um, it is the, the source of the funds really shouldn't be relevant to that question to the extent public purposes are trying to be achieved by superfund cleanups there's an argument to be made that general revenues which are paid for by everyone um, are a fair way of doing that now you can make general arguments about the tax system that this country has um, about who pays how much and very I you mean know, there's The the tax structure, there's excise taxes all over the place for a whole bunch of different reasons. And so you rapidly get into a debate over what kind of taxes make sense to raise revenue. But this is just that. It's just one means of raising revenue that uh, is supposedly targeted to companies who are more responsible for Superfund sites than others. But the reality is, or the sites where the money will be spent, that's not true.
1: Thank you. I want to go back to something that you said about how this tax is going to affect companies that haven't been at a site for 100 years. But as you know, some of these chemicals last in the ground or in the water for a lot longer than 100 years. Um, I guess, why aren't they liable now and why aren't they liable for as long as the chemicals are present if the companies are still around that did the, the polluting to begin with?
2: Well, they are. Um, one thing that uh, a lot of folks say about the Superfund program is that uh, Superfund liability is forever. The question is, if you've got a site where those chemicals are present, why are they present? And who is responsible for the particular situation at that site, and is an entity that today is producing, say, that's even that same kind of chemical. How are they connected to that site that may have been created dozens of years ago, uh, decades ago, a hundred years ago? How are they connected to that site just because they are today making a chemical that is found at some sites? in groundwater, for example. So it, it's not clear to me what makes that better or fairer than any other way of raising revenue for the, the social objective.
1: That's an interesting point. Um, so I hear that a lot from a lot of companies that say that an increase in tax is going to just uh, put more burden on to the consumer and that the companies are going to have to Pass those increased tax costs on to the consumer. Can you be more specific about what this tax will do uh, for for companies and how that will affect consumers?
2: I do think it's uh, it is important for the Superfund program to be funded, but it would be very valuable if everyone involved with the program both in the executive branch and in Congress, had a good feel for what the impacts of the liability scheme are and understood that most of the cleanups are being done by potentially responsible parties and that this tax does in fact have a burden and to some extent may well be passed through to consumers. So they can't just wave a wand and assume that this tax or any other excise tax they pass will not have a negative impact somewhere. That
0: was Beverage and Diamonds' Steve Jawitz, a Washington, D.C.-based attorney whose practice focuses on remediation and natural resource damages. Of course, no industry wants to pay more in taxes, and in the second half of this episode, David Hood spoke with Danielle Melgar, an advocate with the United States Public Interest Research Group's Zero Out Toxics program. She said the bill the Senate passed included just one of three proposed polluter pays provisions, the goal of which is to hold polluters accountable for site cleanup and shift the burden off of taxpayers.
3: What one does versus the full package of three is hard to parse out. But basically what these policies do altogether is hold polluting industries accountable for the cost of cleaning up toxic waste sites, shifting that financial burden off of the American taxpayer and onto those who pay or play more of a role.
1: Why is this tax important and why now?
3: Well, the answer as to why now is a a tough one. I think the Biden administration has obviously prioritized this. This is something they articulated as a priority during the campaign, as well as early on in the administration. This tax or these taxes went away in 1995. And so for the last 26 years, we haven't had them. So, you know, we've wanted to have them back ever since then, really. And, you know, any year would have been a great year. But I think we had the right balance of a friendly administration who, you know, decided enough is enough, the American people shouldn't have to pay for this anymore. And, you know, we should bring in new revenue and make sure that money is coming from those responsible. And then we also had champions in Congress who have been pushing for this year after year and have really started to gain traction more recently, so Representative Pallone has been absolutely crucial to really building the insider support that we've needed to move this through the Senate and then hopefully now through the House as well.
1: The chemicals industry says that this tax is unfair because it singles out just a handful of companies and sort of puts them on the hook for pay attacks uh, from pollution that was created by other companies. What is your response to that criticism?
3: Yeah, I think whoever ends up paying for the cost of these cleanups is going to think it's unfair. Uh, Ultimately, we shouldn't have this toxic waste polluting sites across the country to begin with. As to whether it should be broadened, we absolutely support broadening it. So it's not just the chemical excise tax that was passed in the bipartisan infrastructure framework. We want to also see the reinstatement of the corporate taxes as well as the tax on oil Um, that originally went to fund the Superfund program.
1: It's been a while. You know, like you said, these taxes expired in the mid-90s. What has been the barrier to revive them in the past? And how did we get here today?
3: Well, I think the initial barriers were, you know, not having the right votes in Congress and then having a really strong lobby from the industries that were You know, originally taxed and that didn't want to be taxed again. So those are the original barriers and if you're going up against that year over year, eventually people are going to start to think, you know, we've got to shift our priorities. We've seen a lot of shift towards uh, prioritizing climate change and climate policy and that makes a lot of sense. We do need to prioritize that. Uh, And this is just kind of, you know, just one barrier is that it was being deprioritized because it felt like we're not making headway on this. We've got you know, representatives and senators who are introducing legislation every year and it's just not gaining traction. So really, I think those have been the barriers and just having those champions who haven't given up and have continued to push, uh, and then in combination, advocates picking up the cause again, I think those two factors have really gotten us to where we are now.
1: How does this tax fit into the Biden administration's larger environmental goals?
3: I can't speak to all of their environmental goals. I focus on this much more narrowly. I think the Biden administration understands that what the American people are looking for is shifting. We want to see more good climate policy, and we want to see things like toxic chemicals that are polluting our air, water, and soil getting cleaned up. We have seen that with the prioritization of uh, replacing lead service lines, for example. That's just another thing where, you know, at this day and age, we shouldn't have so many toxic chemicals getting into the water we drink and the food we eat. We should expect better and figure out what the policies are that can get us to that point where people can expect that they're going to have clean drinking water and clean air to breathe. Uh, going
1: back to some of the criticism from the chemicals industry, they say that if these taxes are implemented, they will ultimately be borne by consumers and the companies will pass them on uh, via higher prices for consumer products, et cetera. What is your response to that criticism? And is there any way to blunt the effects or offset the effects of any increased cost to consumers?
3: Yeah, I mean, that argument is nothing new. I think that comes up anytime you propose any sort of tax on any companies. And my response to that is just how is that any different from the full cost that we're paying right now with our tax dollars? You know we're not going to see a greater increase than that on you know the cost of our products so that argument just seems like a little bit confused to me and i think beyond just the monetary costs there are all these health costs that we're already paying and we know that this type of policy results in faster and more thorough cleanup of toxic waste sites so You know, any policy that we can pass that's going to alleviate a lot of that health burden is an ultimate win for consumers.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, looking to the future, uh, like you said, and fully understanding that the the push for this and the effort isn't over. I mean, the House still has to go through. Uh, its process, and there's still a lot of hurdles here. But that said, um, what's next for your organization? What are you looking for after, uh, you know, this goal is complete, assuming that it is completed?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, the, the most immediate thing is just In addition to moving the chemical excise tax forward, getting the other two polluter pays taxes reinstated so that we can, you know, fully fund the Superfund program again. So that's the first thing. And then for expanding the Superfund program, you know, there are so many more toxic waste sites in the country than what's captured on this list. There are sites that are waiting approval. I suspect there are also sites that. You know it's not politically favorable for people to propose adding them. You don't want to just grow the list of unfunded toxic waste sites. Uh, so whatever we can do to expedite that process or help grassroots groups get their sites listed as Superfund sites, so that they start to become eligible for cleanup, that would be hugely important. Earlier this year, we saw the PFAS Action Act move in the House and. That would essentially make two PFAS chemicals. Uh, and PFAS are per and polyfluoroalkyl substances. Uh, they are common in a lot of consumer products. They get into our drinking water. And, you know, it's just thousands of different chemicals in this class that are linked to a wide range of health problems from liver and kidney problems to cancer and reproductive problems. So the PFAS Action Act would designate two of those chemicals as hazardous substances. So let's say you've got a toxic waste site where there's PFAS contamination. Suddenly that site would be eligible to be included on the Superfund list, whereas previously it might not have been. So that would be the next big thing is moving that forward. And then lastly, we know one piece of this problem that really elevates the urgency is just... The increase of severe weather related to climate change. So, things like increasingly frequent and severe hurricanes that can put Superfund sites at risk of being impacted. And, you know, when a hurricane rips through a site, you might have, you know, the contamination spread to other areas, which makes cleanup a lot harder.
1: My last question is what is the top issue you're closely watching for after these taxes go into effect like what are you looking for in implementation
3: well i think one thing that is really important to emphasize and and something that we're trying to gain clarity on is where these taxes are going you know what is the money actually going to and we want to make sure that The money brought in by the polluter pays taxes actually goes directly toward cleanup at these sites. Uh, We don't want, you know, a policy that seems on its face to be about that. Uh, And then actually the money is going elsewhere. You know, ultimately, I think it's better than nothing to hold polluters accountable to the cost of cleanup. But really, the ultimate reason we're pushing for this is you know, to alleviate that cost for American taxpayers and to clean up toxic waste sites so that people don't have to live alongside these chemicals anymore.
0: That was Danielle Melgar, an advocate with the U.S. Public Interest Research Group's Zero Out Toxics program, speaking with Bloomberg tax reporter David Hood. You can find up-to-the-minute news on the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. And if you have any other thoughts about what you just heard or anything else, get in touch with us on Twitter. We use the handle @tax. Today's Talking Tax was produced by myself, Adam Allington, and David Hood. Patrick Ambrosio is our editor. Our executive producer is Josh Block. From Northport, Michigan, I'm Adam Allington. Thanks again for listening. You don't need to be a judge to be interested in our nation's laws and legal institutions, just like you don't need to have a law degree to be curious about the inner workings of courts, law firms, and law schools. That's where we come in. My name's Adam Allington, and I'm the host of Uncommon Law, a podcast from the Bloomberg Industry Group. Uncommon Law is where public policy, storytelling, and the law are combined. We explore big topics ranging from tech policy to free speech to race and gender diversity. So please give us a listen. You can subscribe and download today. Just search for Uncommon Law wherever you get your
2: podcasts. Thanks so much.